Welcome to the Land Life Podcast with your host, PJ Riley. Hey guys, welcome to the Land Life Podcast. Guys, today I have to admit something. I have to admit that I may have sinned and I may have made a, a podcasting sin. Uh, so this is the second time Brendan and I are speaking because the first time, even though Brendan told me, he said, your audio sucks, you should probably fix it. And me like a, uh, looking at him like a monkey with a math problem, uh, you know, didn't fix it. And so our first round podcast was terrible. It didn't work out. Um, the, the audio was really, really bad. So I, call, I messaged Brandon. I'm like, hey, dude, any chance you would be willing to do this again? And I really want to talk to you. And he was gracious and he's an awesome guy. So uh, Brandon agreed that he would uh, that he would come back on and, and talk to us. He's got a, an awesome story. He, he's um, just an awesome guy all around. Um, so it's Brandon Kumasari. Uh, he's out of Montreal, Canada. And I know you speak French. So I want you to say something in French. Now, listen, I want you to say... And, and here, this is going to be a controversial thing to say. So this may, this may spark a debate between the United States and Canada. This may cause an international, I don't know. This is, what are you going to have me say? I like maple syrup say, in French or what? Canadian bacon is the only real bacon. Canadian bacon. In French. Okay. Le bacon canadien est le seul bacon qui compte. Goodness gracious. That just started an international dispute. There will be... People throwing snowballs at each other from the <laughs> Canadian-U.S. border. I don't know. All right. Anyway, guys, uh, if you are getting value from this podcast and if you're you know, enjoying the content, if uh, you, know, you want me to keep getting great guests like Brendan, um, do, it. do me a favor. Like, subscribe. Leave a comment, too. Leave a comment in the comment section if you get a chance. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very helpful to, to do that. Um, okay, guys. Today we have Brendan Kumasari. Um, Brendan, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? I know you're like a master communicator. You teach people how to, you know, speak in public, how to speak online. I've learned a ton of stuff from you. Maybe start like uh, kind of let us know how you got started in this this industry. It's kind of a not a normal thing for people to do, um, but it's super interesting. And kind of let us know how you got started and what got us to this point here. Yeah, absolutely, PJ. Good to be on, man. So when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. I went to business school. And case competitions are like presentations that a lot of nerds my age did back then. <laughs> so it's kind of like football that you got in the back there, but for yeah. but for uh, more, I guess, the intellectuals of the world. But anyways, not, not to say that sports isn't intellectual. We get <laughs> so uh, as I was getting older and I started doing more of these competitions... I started coaching people who were younger than me, not really for money back then, PJs, because like they, we needed a coach and they needed to do good at these competitions. And I was the only person there. So I guess I, I got the spot. So yeah. I started helping them with speaking. And before long, you know, three years went by and I'd coached like 50 to 70 people on how to communicate ideas. So I developed my own expertise on how to teach these people. But none of the stuff that I had was teaching them was available for free online. So that's what sparked the idea for Master Talk. I started making YouTube videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And then three years later, it turned into something I never thought it would. Wow. Yeah, guys, if you get a chance, check out his Master Talk videos. They are, um, they're excellent. 
okay, so, so you're helping all these guys out. Are, are they paying you? Is this like a, a business you're, you're thinking of starting as a paid gig or how does that, how does that work right now? Oh yeah. Now it's like a full fledged business. I coach a ton of executives and CEOs and, and yeah. coaches, but back then PJ, like this is what three, four years ago, definitely wasn't a business. I was just making videos for fun. I was a technology consultant at IBM. So it was more like a passion project I was doing, wow. but as the, as the months and the years progressed, the YouTube channel started skyrocketing and following. And I started getting a bunch of CEOs reaching out and executives saying, Hey, I'll, I'll pay you whatever. Just coach me. Yeah help me get the result. And I said, Oh, you could charge for this. I didn't know that. <laughs> and I'd find the right business partners. I invested in the right program. So I was able to build a business and I quit corporate. It's been like almost a year now. Yeah. What was the mindset though? Like, <clears throat> so when you first got started on that, you're, you, what was the shift? Where did you, um, I, I, I know you were, you were teaching people and then you made a YouTube channel. What was that mindset shift to go think, I think I can make a living out of this or a business out of this. Yeah, honestly, I got lucky with that. So there's two shifts that happened. So the first shift was the idea for the YouTube channel, like mm -hmm. just doing that in general. It was because a lot of the students I coached back in university kept asking me this one question I didn't have a good answer to. And the question was, how did you learn how to speak? And I was like, I don't really know. I just was self-taught. I never did Toastmasters. I never had my own coach. I couldn't afford one back then. Yeah. So it's pretty much self-taught. And they said, oh, come on. Like, didn't you like re-watch YouTube videos or something? I was like, people do that? And that's when I, I had the idea to, to create YouTube videos. That's one piece. The second shift was around the business. So the reason I never thought of turning to a business until maybe two, three years ago is was because I was already doing really well financially. Because, you know, if you get paid as a consultant at a tech company, you get paid well. So I wasn't thinking about, oh, I need to turn this into business. Yeah. But I met my business partner a personal development conference I went to. And he's the one who said, yeah, but why don't you do this for a living so you can like create a meaningful impact in the world and do all this stuff and I'll give you your first clients. And that's what he did. And he wrote me a huge check. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is like a business. I could like change the world. I could like be on a podcast instead of just listening to wow. that. I could like be a guest. So so that's, right? that's what happened. And, and I realized that coaching was, a more impactful, but also be more profitable because I could re-leverage a lot of that capital I was making from executive clients into more accessible resources. Like if right now I probably invest 10, 15 grand into my YouTube channel, but if I scale this even more, which is starting to happen, I could put a hundred grand into media and really bring this to the world. Like put it on Instagram a lot more, put it on TikTok and really expand the brand a lot more. And that's what capital allows you to do. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of found a you had a need. There was a need in your in your community in your area. You were like, I'm just gonna figure it out. I'm gonna take care. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it by the reins and figure out how to how to do it, and uh, it turned into a business. Um. So what does your client? What does a an average client look like for you right now? So like, if I were to say, you know, I'm a guy who works in an office, and you know, I gotta speak in front of the group sometimes. Uh, so uh, what can I come to you? Can anybody come to you? Yeah, absolutely. So, so most people can definitely go into communication coaching and hire a coach. I would say there's three specific types of people who generally invest in it, though. So mo most people are listening to this. Go ahead, you know, check out Master Talk, listen to the YouTube videos, learn for free. They're but excellent. there's gen yeah, oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> but outside of everybody, there's probably like three people, three types of people who would buy a communication service to get there to level up. The first one is the coach 
who's trying to scale up their business. So they have a coaching practice. They coach in different areas of life. It could be on health. It could be, it could be a fitness trainer. And communication allows them to quickly scale up their business. Because if you could speak to a thousand people as a fitness trainer, you could train more people, impact more lives, and make yeah. more money. So coaching is definitely, we see a lot of coaches joining our programs. The second one is entrepreneurs. So the entrepreneur who really wants to scale out their message. So think podcast host. Right, they want to be better at communication so they can get more downloads. Think uh, they want to be on a stage so that they can speak longer, talk about the mission, hire more excellent staff into their companies. So we see the entrepreneur as well, and then of course the third type is the executive, the corporate employee who wants to get promoted in corporate. That's usually the easiest ROI as well because they get a huge salary salary spike for mastering communication. So it's well worth the investment. So those are the three that usually buy it. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm a podcaster, I guess. Um, I guess maybe, I mean, I guess it's officially a podcaster, but I'm not really a, uh, it's not the full-time gig just yet. Okay. I have a problem then. when I'm speaking, I use that, the, uh, the, the, uh, the thing that you're never supposed to do when you're speaking to a group of people, I say, uh, a lot. So I, in between thoughts, I, I fill them. I, I feel like I have to fill them with something and it's always, uh or um how do i fix it yeah that's a great question brother so so let's talk about that the first thing that to talk about with filler words is why do we say them in the first place and the reason most of the time pj is we say filler words to buy time right so let's say you ask me a question you go hey brendan what about filler words i might go um <laughs> yeah yeah this this is the answer so use it to buy time Well, now the next question becomes, well, what do the best communicators on the planet do differently? Because they're not smarter than us, Mm -hmm. right? They they probably don't know what to say sometimes too. Like there's always that situation. But the difference is that when they don't know something or they're thinking, they've replaced filler words with nothing. So let's say you ask me the question again. You go, hey, Brendan, what about filler words? Instead of me going, "Uh, oh, I just do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, PJ? Absolutely. So this is my thoughts on this. That's it. That's the only difference. So now the question, the final question becomes, how do you go from A to B? How do you go from the person who's going uh, 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 every, every two sentences to just absolute silence? And there's an exercise that most people won't implement it. It's, it's really for the warriors in the Write room. Write this down, guys. Write this yeah. down. Get ready. This is really for the 5%. This is, this is the time where you're writing notes down. Yeah. It's going to be well, on the test. ideally ideally people don't just write ideally people do it but you know it's not everyone's gonna do it but i think i think you got it pj so i'll give it to you the strategy is called long stairs so essentially what you do is you pick somebody that you love in your house you sit in front of them you stare at them without saying a word with no phones no other distractions for three minutes i know people who have been married to their significant other for 15, 20 years. I know because a lot of them are with clients and they can't last 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I believe that. But here's the thing, PJ. If you can last three minutes in that long stand, you do it over and over again, that gift will come back to you when you pause in presentations and normal conversation. Another way of paraphrasing this is simple is that the best communicators on the planet can pause forever without ever making it sound awkward at all. But we don't have forever, so you have to take my word for it. 
<laughs> All right, stare at, find someone you care about and look them in the eye and try to stare at them for three solid minutes without saying anything, uh, making any comments, um, anything like that, right? You got it. Okay. All right, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my wife we're doing that here tonight. I don't know if she'll like it, but... She'll love it. Women love this, by the way. My Perfect. God. It's Perfect. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> Let's say... I am now I've come in, I've come across this before because I previously um, had no speaking skills. Like I get in front of a group of people and I'd be super nervous. And so uh, I, I would just stutter and, and think about what I was going to say. Um, and I would get this block, kind of like a block in front of my, my mind. So what would you say to the guy who's was told this morning He's got to speak in front of his office, in front of his, his coworkers. And he's got to talk about a topic that he knows a little bit about, but not enough. Um, and it's, it's go time. He's in front of the group. How did, how, sorry, let's go back before that. How can he prepare for something like that? He's, he's only got like 30 minutes to do this, to prepare. Right. So there's two things, right? So what's preventative and what's proactive, right? So in the sense of what, what can you do on the spot versus what can you prepare for in advance? So let's talk about the next presentation. This one's probably going to be a flop because we got 30 <laughs> minutes, if I'm just being honest, is how do we prepare? And then I'll answer the question more directly, is how do we prepare better when we have a bit more time? So I call this the random word exercise. So the random word exercise is super simple. Pick any word, phone, screen, copper, headphones, eyes, and Create presentations out of thin air off of those random words. And what this does is it helps you make sense out of nonsense. And what I always like to tell people is if you can make sense out of nonsense, PJ, you can make sense out of anything. So what happens is people who do the random word access consistently every single day and proactively with their kids, their nieces, their nephews, their family members, the people around them, they'll be a lot more comfortable with uncertainty, especially when it comes to work. Because the uncertainty is not that uncertain. I mean, it's not like nobody, nobody's coming to you at work and going, okay, PJ, can you talk about mangoes for 10 seconds? Like nobody's doing that. They're just going, okay, PJ, I need you to give your annual status report, the same boring thing you do every quarter. So just do that again. Yeah. So, so it's not like super shocking or intimidating. Sure, but there might be different executives in the meeting, but the topic remains pretty similar throughout. So, so that's one piece. But here's the punchline, PJ. The second I said the random word exercise, 95% of them probably just said, oh, that's cool. They already forgot about it. Whereas 5% of the people listening to this or less have already booked five minutes in their calendar tomorrow to practice this five times a day. And those are the people that become successful. So to your point that, you know, the sweaty guy is getting ready in 30 minutes, that guy needs to book as soon as in the same way everyone's listening to this needs to book five minutes, not five hours. Everyone's got five minutes. You're listening. You've already spent like uh, 15 minutes listening to this. So you definitely got five, right? Book five minutes and every single day and do this. Because if you do this for a month, you'll have done the exercise over a hundred times, which is. Can you give us insane. another example of this five minute exercise? Sure. Give me a word. Um, water bottle. Okay, so PJ never gave me the word water bottle, so here I go presenting the random word exercise. Okay. It's Sunday morning, and the first thing that I drink, it's not a cup of coffee, okay, because I'm actually more of a tea guy, but it's not a cup of tea either. It's water. Because water, especially out of a bottle, is the most essential resource that you can ever drink 
every single day of your life. And what's great about the water bottle, PJ, is that essential resource that you have, you don't have to just have it in the morning. You can take it with you to everything that you're doing that day. And a lot of us, we take that water bottle for granted. Imagine if water bottles didn't exist. Wouldn't life be crazy? How would you get your drink? How would you get water without ruining the planet or the environment but buying all these reusable plastic water bottles? But here's the thing, PJ, is that water bottles aren't the only thing that we take for granted. There's a lot of little things in life that we take for granted too. Like the family members that we love, the dishes that come cleaned without us asking them to be cleaned. The dinner that just happens to be on our table that are significant, others made for us or ordered for us. It's those little things that we need to appreciate more. And if we can do that in the same way that one might appreciate a water bottle, we'll lead a more fulfilling life. Such as an example, the rent works. That's it. Done. That's excellent. You're building a story around the water bottle versus someone who says, uh, you know, tell me, you know, talk about a water bottle. The vast majority of people are going to look at that and say, um, it's plastic. It's tall. Uh, I, water tastes good. You know, they're not, they're not going to build a story. So you're, and, and, and that's kind of a, that kind of simplifies everything really. You know, if you go into it thinking you're going to tell a story about everything around the water, inside, outside, what it's made of, what you can do with it. Um, it kind of simplifies really anything. Is that about, is that, am I, am I getting that correctly? Absolutely. And the, the only small thing I would add on though, is for the random word exercise, PJ, it's totally okay if people start with describing the object. Because that's how most people start. Because mm-hmm. I've done it 3,000 times. And I want to make sure that's clear to, to everyone who's <laughs> listening. Like, I didn't just come out of my womb, my, mom, my, my, womb, my mom's womb, and just, <laughs> and just started doing the random Do word exercise. Do it differently exercise. up there in Canada, guys. <laughs> totally different. It's, it's a land thing. Don't worry about it. But, but yeah, that's the thing, right? So, so that's the point I want to address. So the first couple of times, and this is what I always tell people, so it's worth writing down, is you do not get rewarded on how well you do the random word exercise. You get rewarded on how many times you do it. Mm-hmm. So the first 10 times, it's going to sound like exactly what you just did, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you do it 100 times, trust me, you'll start to sound a lot like me. A lot quicker than you might think. And if you don't believe me, record your first random word exercise. Do it 100 times, which, by the way, only takes two hours. Not a long time. It only takes a minute to do the random word exercise once. And then record number 100, and then you tell me which version sounds better. Okay. Okay. I, I, I like this. I like this. So this is just – it's really just preparation and consistency. Like, you know, you, you prepare for it, you prepare for it, and then you just consistently do it over and over and over and over until you get to where you're at a, a comfort level where you can, you can do it. Exactly. Okay, I want to shift gears just a little bit. So um, I have a friend, Caleb Fowler, and he has, he coaches, now let me, let me get this straight. I don't want to screw it up for him. He um, uh, arrange, coaches coaches so that they are able to present to conferences online. So he teaches people how to present online to a large audience. Mm. Um, And so I've noticed that there's a lot of shift going towards that. What is the difference then when you're speaking to people in person versus this new, like kind of what we're doing right now, the Zoom calls, uh, you know, what's the difference there is, do we need to like 
structure our, our, the way we talk to people differently or, or is it the same, you know, and I, I'm asking you cause I, I just don't know. No, you're all good. Peter. So there's three key differences. Number one is eye contact. So eye contact in person, whether it's, you know, at a restaurant or whether it's to multiple people on a stage, you're always moving your eyes based on different people you're speaking to. But online, you actually only have to keep your eyes in one direction, which is the camera lens that you're looking yeah. at. So even if there's 10,000 people in a Zoom call, if you just stare in one direction, you'll stare at all of them at the same time. That's not true in the real world. You have to keep deviating. That's number one. Yeah. Number two is energy. So obviously, let's face it. It's a lot easier to show up with energy if we're in person. There's that energy that just can't be replaced, that you can't get online. So the best way around this is to practice offline, not online. Get really good at bringing out your best energy in person and bring that same level of energy here where in the online world. That's the way to do it. So like when I started doing podcasts, it was really tough for me, man. It's like really yeah. weird. Strangers research you, ask you a bunch of random questions that you, and you're like, what's happening? And, and now I've obviously shifted. Now it's like, oh, okay, talk to the person like they're an old friend. Talk to them like we've known each other. And since we've, this has been the second time, I'm sure we've yeah. known each other for a long time. <laughs> so there you go. That's number two. Number three is accessibility. Accessibility means just the following, to your audience specifically. So if we're in person, I give a workshop and I want feedback, I could just get lunch with you right after. Hey, PJ, let's just go get lunch. Let's get your input or a couple yeah. of, we'll bring a couple of people in the audience and just go get a bite to eat. And I, I just want to hear what your, your thoughts were. You can't do that as easily online because there's a lot more friction. So the way around this is to force the interaction, get on calls with people, get on Zoom calls with people, message people, say, hey, I'm looking for feedback, love to get on Zoom calls and build that relationship and ideally bring those relationships offline. Those are the three key differences. Hmm. Right on. What is the, uh, what's the criteria for a great speech? The criteria for a great speech is puzzle. Right. So puzzle just means whenever you're thinking about a presentation, think about jigsaw puzzles. See those little pieces we used to do as kids, right? You put them all together. Yeah. So we generally start with the corner pieces. And the reason we start with the corner pieces is because they're easier to find in the box and they're easier to put together. But in communication, we don't do that. We do the opposite. We shove a bunch of content. We ramble through the whole thing, and the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, thanks. It's not the right approach. So instead, what you want to do is you want to present like puzzle. Present your introduction 50 times until it's perfect. Do the same thing with your conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie, right? 50 seems like a big number, PJ, but it's not because your introduction is like a minute or two. It'll yeah. take you an hour. Same thing with the conclusion, then tackle the middle. And that's how you master the puzzle. Brandon, I really appreciate you being here, man. Um, anything you want to say before we, we uh, wrap up here? Dude, I, I'd love to leave with a question, man. The question Absolutely. is, how would, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? That's A lot of us dream about our vacations, the expensive things we want to buy, but very few of us dream about our communication skills. So start reflecting on that question and you'll, you'll build a better life for yourself. Where other than the uh, the rock star communicator that's coming up next week and the week after, I believe on Fridays, uh, where can people get hold of you? How can people get in contact with you? 
Yeah, absolutely, PJ. So great conversation. Always a pleasure, man. So two easy ways. First one is to your point, rockstarcommunicator.com. For those of you who are interested in coaching, you want to come to one of my free trainings. I teach a lot of great skills on communication. You have me live in person on the Zoom call. It's super fun. So come join that. And then the second one is definitely the YouTube channel. It's Master Talk in one word. Just search it up. You'll find me there. Master Talk it is. Brandon, I know you got to take off. So I will uh, let you go. Um, dude, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for uh, coming on a second time and uh, uh, see you on Friday. Yeah, man. Such a pleasure, bro. Take care, brother. All right. Peace and love. Later.